Uh, well, last week we started uh, a new series called Revolution. And if you didn't get to hear that message, it is on the website, nctyler.org. Go under sermons and you can find it. And last week, just, just a quick recap, we talked about having revolutionary hearts, and that's what we're talking about in all four of the, the lessons that I'll be doing in this series. The revolutionary heart that we spoke about last week was a heart of sacrifice. And we talked about uh, sacrifice is not something that God comes and takes away from you, because if that's what it was, that would be called stealing, and God is not a thief. Sacrifice is something that we give to the Lord. It's an act of worship. It's an act of service. So this week, we're going to be talking, um, taking that and going just a little bit further. But before we get there, if you want to follow along in, uh, in your Bible, we'll be looking at two main scriptures this week. It's in 1 Corinthians 10 and Joshua 14. If you want to put your fingers there, we will get there. Eventually, if you're doing it electronically, I'll tell you again when we get to the next one because I know you'll forget it before we get there. Well, what is revolution? Once again, just recapping from last week, revolution is a far-reaching and drastic change in ideas and methods. It's a fundamental change in the way that you think about a subject. Our foundational scripture for this Entire lesson series is Romans 12, 2. Now to the New Living Translation, it says, Don't copy the customs and behaviors of this world, but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way that you think. Just like I said last week, we're changing the way that you think. That's the revolution, is changing the way that you think. If we change the way that we think, what we think will change. Sometimes we think, I just need to stop thinking this. And we probably do need to stop thinking this. But it's not just sitting around going, don't think, don't think, don't think, don't think, think, think. It's changing how we think. Because if we begin to think the way that the Lord thinks about subjects, it'll change what we think. Okay? So, moving into the second lesson here. The first one was, uh, to be a revolutionary, you have to have a heart of sacrifice. And this one is, to be revolutionary, you must have a warrior's heart. You must have a warrior's heart. And I know sometimes that, that this seems to be the great paradox of Christianity because we are this, this people of love. Love. Our God is love. Everything is about love. But we're also told to fight the good fight. So although it may seem a little bit contra contradictory to say that we have to have a warrior's heart when we're supposed to be people of love, the only way we're really going to be the warriors that God has called us to be is to be people of love. Because love is what the enemy cannot fight against. Love is what the enemy cannot defeat. Amen? Amen? All right. 
So, unfortunately, many Christians in this day and age have lost the will to fight. They want somebody else to do their fighting for them. But to engage culture, we have to fight against ideologies. We have to fight against the people's belief systems that are, that are opposed to God's belief systems. To heal the broken, we have to fight against satanic lies. To heal the broken, we have to fight against satanic lies. Because many people are broken and wounded in their mind and in their will and in their emotions, and they're stuck there because of demonic lies that they have believed. And we have to fight against that. We have to help them change the way that they think. To change the church, we must fight against apathy and selfishness. Now, I'm not up here to to spank anybody or anything like that, okay? I'm not here to, to make anybody feel bad. But we can throw out these... Pastor Sam likes to talk about, you know, we, we, we paint with, with broad strokes. Now show me the fine strokes. And we can stand up here, we can talk about broad things, can't we? As long as we're talking about somebody else, we can go, Amen. Hmm, hallelujah. That's good. I wish that other person was here to hear this. Right? So when I say we need to to change the church, we could be talking about the church universal. And yes, we could be talking about the church universal. But what if we're talking about NCC? What if we're talking about NCC and I'm saying to change this church right here? To change this church that we love so much, we have to fight against apathy and selfishness. Well, what do you mean by that? What do you mean by by apathy and selfishness? I'm talking about, we've had a, a young lady that has visited this church and she visited four times in a row. And as, as much as, as I couldn't believe this, because we tend to be a very friendly church, she told her parents that she was never even greeted. <laughs> and I was telling the leadership team, you know what? We may have had nine guests, and we may have had ten guests, and we greeted nine of those guests, and we don't say, whoa, we're batting a 900. That's not good enough. We've got about a thousand when it comes to these things. There should never, ever be anybody that walks through those doors that are not greeted, that are not loved, that are not welcomed, that are not at least had something said to them. Now, if, if, if a guest wants to sit there and say, please don't touch me, please don't look at me, Hey, we understand that too. It can be a a bit intimidating to come into a new place. But we can't sit there and and see that new person back there and go, well, somebody else will talk to them. That's not my job. Oh, I'm not not scheduled to greet today. (laughs) 
yeah, we've got to fight past the, these places. We've got to fight past these places. To be the church that God has called us to be, we have to fight past these places. We've got to get past the apathy. What about the selfishness? Do we ever find ourselves really only thinking about us? I mean, it's human nature. We think about us a lot, don't we? You know, there, there, when I was a kid, I was waiting for one of the teenagers to go, that was a long time ago. <laughs> when I was a kid, you know, it was almost without question. We just went to church. Everybody went to church. Everybody I knew went to church. I'm serious. Even the people I partied with on the weekends, we were in church on Sunday mornings. <laughs> but now we find this place where... Do you realize that this church right here has about 250 members? They're not all here this morning. We don't have 250 seats. Why? Because we've fallen into this routine. We've fallen into this place where we're copying the customs and the behaviors of the world. Where I don't have to be committed to something. I can show up once a month, once every six weeks, and I'm giving God my best. Oh, he's being mean now. No, I'm just... Hey, I love you enough to tell you the truth. Right? Hey, do I do it? Does the pastoral team absolutely understand that there are times when you cannot be at church? Absolutely. But please don't send me a text telling me that you can't serve on Sunday morning because you've got a family issue. And then on Facebook, I see a picture of you out on the lake. Okay? We come. This church... One of the pillars of this church is serving. Serving. We have 80 people that serve on a, on a team called the Dream Team. Amen. So when we come on Sunday mornings, yes, we are here to worship. Yes, we're here to get at times because we need to get at times. I need to be refilled at times. I need what other people are giving me. But you know what? There is this scripture that says if you give... Give, and it shall be given. If I come with the heart to serve, if I come that, you know what? This morning, whether I'm scheduled or not, I'm looking for somebody to, to love. I'm looking for somebody to minister to. I'm looking for somebody that, that needs something, and guess what? I'm the answer. Give, and it shall be given. So right after the service, we'll, we'll be... Uh, We'll have a table out here for, for new Dream Team members. We're, 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 we'll have a sign-up sheet. <laughs> given it shall be given. To change our nation, we must fight against the false religion of pride. The false religion of pride. What's, what's, what's the religion of America? We call it the American Dream. And you know, there is nothing wrong with having things. 
There really is nothing wrong with having things. I do not believe that God has any problem with us having things. It's when that pursuit of things overwhelms our heart to pursue God. Right? It's one of my favorite uh, older preachers. He's now passed on you safe. Can't say amen. Say oh me. The pursuit of making me feel better about me. I work harder and I work longer so I can have a bigger car and a bigger house. But I'm still not satisfied in my soul, so i got to keep working harder. And It's just a cycle. It's just a cycle that will never, ever be quenched in our heart because it's birthed of pride and it's birthed of selfishness. Once again, God doesn't mind us having things. But when is the last time we got a raise and went, yes, now I can give more? Instead of, mm, I'm going to see Josh and that new Mustang is mine. <laughs> what about the pride of, uh, how do I say this without getting myself in trouble? The... The pride that keeps us separated racially. I'm talking about the church. I'm talking about the church. Do you know that, that the, the three biggest things that we fight... Racism, classism, and sexism are all answered through Jesus. They're all answered through Jesus. Yet we're still having trouble figuring it out in the church. I watched a documentary yesterday. And it was about this little town in North Dakota. 25 people live in the town. Little. 25 people lived in the town. They had a bar but no church. <laughs> so any of you people looking to pioneer churches, I know where there's a place. But these white supremacists started to move in. These Nazis started to move in. And they were trying to take over the town. And you could see the anger from the people in the town. And I could feel the anger kind of starting to rise up inside of me too, you know. And everybody's carrying around guns. And I'm thinking, man, somebody's going to get shot. And those people need to get shot. They deserve to get shot. And the Lord says, don't you think I love them too? Like, yeah, Lord, but we're talking about Nazis. <laughs> we're talking about bad people. Guess what? There was a little pride inside of me. 
saying that somebody didn't deserve the love of Jesus just because they held a view that I thought was absolutely reprehensible. And that quick, I just begin to repent and I begin to pray. Do you ever watch TV and just find yourself praying? I begin to pray, and I could just feel the heart of God. I really could. I could feel the heart of God for what we allow to divide us, which should make us stronger. That's right. You know, difference is good. It really is. I was telling somebody not too long ago, I was asking their opinion on something, and they were saying, well, do you want me to say that? I don't want you to tell me what you think I want to hear. If I needed an opinion that was just like my opinion, I wouldn't need you. Would I? Difference is good. God made us different so we could support each other, not so we could separate from each other and just be with those that are just like me. If you're with people that are just like you and there is no people being born into the kingdom... I'm really going to get in trouble. (laughs) You know what that is? It's like being a spiritual homosexual. I'm just like these people and there is no birthing going on. Oh, I can feel some pushback on that one. But we're looking for a revolution. God is looking for warriors. He's not looking for people that just want to sit and do the same thing over and over and over and over. Why do people not fill our churches every Sunday? Because we do the same thing over and over and over and over. Well, I've already sang that song. I've already heard that message. I've already seen that person. But if we have hearts of revolutionaries and there's a reason to come, there is a real reason to come because I know that when I come, there's going to be something going on that I'm going to be able to be a part of. It's not just come and listen to the the preachers preach. Guess what? Those days are over. Those days are over. You don't have to come to church to hear a preacher preach. You can turn on the TV. You can turn on the radio. You can get on the internet just to hear somebody preach. And I know lots of people, that's how they do church. Why do I need to come down there and sit with all these people I don't like anyway? I can just listen to my favorite preacher online. But if we're building a community, if this revolution that, w- that God wants to start through New Covenant Church, this is our revolution, okay? Amen. Is there a revolution for the, for the body? Yes, but I'm talking about our part of the revolution. If God wants to start a revolution right here, it's, it's a revolution so we can build community so people can connect with God and others. Amen. So although you could go home and listen to this message online... That's not building community. 
We build community when we gather. We give people the opportunity to connect with God and others when we gather. Bradley and Ashley needed community this morning. And here we were, gathered, to love on them. Okay? All right, the characteristics of a warrior's heart. I'm sorry, I got, a, I got on my soapbox there for a minute. The characteristics of a warrior's heart. Characteristic number one, warriors have a different spirit. Numbers 14.24 says, But my servant Caleb has a different spirit. He had a different attitude about him. I'm going to brag on somebody, and he's not in here, so he won't get caught up in private. I was at the Grace graduation last night, and I'm, I'm just watching. And at the end of the service, they did, they did a, a worship song. And I don't remember how many kids there were, 55, 57, 59. I mean, it was about 60 graduates, and they're all sitting up on the, on the stage. And they do this worship song. It's a great worship song. He's a good, good father. He's a good, good father. That's who you are. That's who you are. And I'm just watching. And there's this really tall fella <laughs> who just has his head back and his arms raised. You know what? I'm looking down there and I'm going, he has a different spirit about him. He has a different spirit about him. You know, half the graduates, they're talking to each other, they're looking, they're poking, they're, you know, they can't wait to throw their hats up in the air. But there was one on that stage. He had a different spirit. And he didn't care if it was in front of all those people. He had an opportunity to worship, and he did. I appreciate that. So here we are in um, Numbers 14, as I just read that. But um, my servant Caleb has a different spirit. We know that Caleb was one of the, the 12 spies that went in to spy out the land. And he came back and he was one of only two that brought back a good report. The spies, they saw obstacles, but Caleb saw opportunity. Last night, that young man could have seen the obstacles. This is not the time nor the place. Look at all these people out here. And while some people may have seen obstacles, I'm not saying that they did. I really believe that man saw an opportunity to worship the Lord. The Israelites would have rather been back in slavery in Egypt than to face the obstacle. Guess what? In this life, you will have tribulation. But be of good cheer, for I've overcome the world. There will be obstacles. But a warrior has a different spirit. He doesn't just see the obstacle. He sees an opportunity, even if it's just an opportunity to run to God. He sees the opportunity. And the Israelites, they actually said that, Oh, we wish we were back in Egypt. Wish we were back in slavery. Wish we were back doing this, that, and the other. And unfortunately, a lot of times, the church can be that way too. 
We'd rather sit and complain about society than to take the land in the name of our God. I bet the word transgender has not come out of more Christians' mouths in the last few weeks than it has here recently. And why? Because we're actively pursuing a segment of society that needs to know Jesus? No, because we're upset of where they may be using the bathroom. Look, I'm with you. I don't want some guy following my wife into the bathroom. But, why is the only time that we pick it, why is the only time that we get up in arms, why is the only time we get upset is when society is doing something to us? Instead of saying, no, we are the church. We are the church of Jesus Christ. We carry the authority and the anointing of Jesus in us. We are going to go after society. We're going to engage society. That's the heart of a warrior. We're not looking at the obstacle. We're looking at the opportunity. Read a scripture real quick here. I do need to power on through this. But it's 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verses 1 through 6 out of the message. It says, Remember our history, dear friends, and be warned. All our ancestors were led by the providential cloud and taken miraculously through the sea. They went through the waters in a baptism like ours, As Moses led them from enslaving death to salvation life, they all ate and drank identical food and drink, meals provided daily by God. They drank from the rock, God's foundation, for them and stayed with them wherever they were. God's rock was Christ. But just experiencing God's wonder and grace didn't seem to mean much. Most of them were defeated by temptation during the hard times in the desert, and God was not pleased with them. The same thing could happen to us, and we must be on our guard. Just like the the Israelites, we have been rescued from slavery. We've been given salvation life. We've drank from the good things of Jesus and eaten of His good word. Can you say amen? Yet, we still gossip. We still complain. We still accuse. We still exclude. We still judge, overlook, lie, manipulate, and let's be honest at times, waste God's time. And that's not the warrior's heart. 
That's when we begin to, to listen to the lies of the enemy and begin to act like the enemy wants us to act. But that's not the warrior's heart. And that's not who you are. That's not who you've been called to be. You have a different spirit in you. You do not have the same spirit that has to backbite and gossip and get your way. You've got a different spirit about you. Do you believe that about yourself? Characteristic number two, which will be preached in five minutes and 30 seconds which is really the whole place I was supposed to be going. Characteristic number two, warriors are not afraid of giants. In Joshua chapter 14, starting in verse 11, this is Caleb speaking to Joshua. He said, I am still, strong to, I am still as strong today as I was in the day Moses sent me. As my strength was then, so my strength is now for war and for going out and coming in. Caleb was 85 years old, but he still had the warrior's heart burning inside of him. Verse 12, Now give me this hill country about which the Lord spoke on this day. For you heard, and he's reminding Joshua, For you heard on that day Anakim was there. With great fortified cities. And here's a little bit of the backstory. Anakim was the descendants of Anna. They were the race of giants that when they went into the, into the promised land, this is who they saw. This is what caused the whole problem 40 something years before. Now here's Joshua. He's still saying, I'm just as able to take the land as I was then. In fact, you remember that hill country where those giants lived? Give me that part. Give me that part. Perhaps the Lord will be with me and I will drive them out as the Lord has spoken. Verse 13. So Joshua blessed him and gave Hebron to Caleb, the son of whatever his name is, for an inheritance. Therefore Hebron became the inheritance of Caleb, the Kiznite, until this day, because he followed the Lord God of Israel fully. He got the inheritance God wanted him to have because he followed the Lord fully. There is an inheritance for you that the Lord wants you to have. But it comes through obedience. It comes through pressing through when things get tough. It comes through following God when it doesn't look like even God Himself could show up in this. But there's an inheritance for you. Now the name of Hebron was formerly Kiriath Arba, which means the city of Arba. For Arba was the greatest man 
among the Anakim. The Anakim, they were the race of giants that they had seen 40-something years ago. Caleb says, give me that part as my inheritance. And when it was time to actually go and take this part of the land, Caleb said, hey, not only are we going after the giants, but I'm going after the biggest and the baddest, the one that lives up on top of the hill, the one that has his, uh, uh, the most fortified city all around. I'm taking that one. I'm not waiting on somebody else to go and do what God has called me to do. I'm going to go take that city. And he took this city that was named the city of Arba. And if you go on to read the scripture, not only did he take the city, but it says that, that, that he whipped Anakim's three sons. And then he does something amazing. He changes the name of the city. And he doesn't call it Calebville. He doesn't call it the place of my great victory. He doesn't praise himself at all in this. He names it Hebron, which means friendship. Friendship. When the warriors of God are doing what they're supposed to be doing... You're making a way for other people to come into friendship with God. When you're taking the cities that God has ordained for you to take, you're building a way for people to be friends with God. But it doesn't even stop there. It goes on. They took that city. Then he sends his nephew to take the next city. He sends his nephew to take the next city. And they take that city and they rename that city. And the name of that city in Hebrew means the presence of the Lord. So when you're being the warrior of God that you've been called to be, not only are you opening up the way for people to, to come in and, and have friendship with God, but you're raising up those who will live in the presence of God. So obviously, and I'm finishing up real quickly. I don't know if we're having anybody play the piano today or anything like that, but we don't fight against flesh and blood, right? You ever think sometimes, man, I wish I lived in the Old Testament so I could just go cut somebody's head off that was irritating me. <laughs> don't act like you haven't. Don't act like you haven't. But we don't wrestle against flesh and blood. We don't fight against flesh and blood. We fight against the spiritual forces of wickedness. And how do we do that? We fight on our knees and we fight on our face. It's time for New Covenant Church to really be a praying church. Right. A believing church. Pray for these things. The, 
you know, you could have the most visionary pastors that have ever walked the face of the earth. And I tell you, you get the three of us together and we can spend hours just thinking about things. But you know, that vision is pulled into reality through prayer. And if you think it's going to be done by just the three of us and the staff of this church, you're wrong. That's why you're here. That's why God has put you in this church, is to pray. To pray, to be a warrior, to fight. And we fight on our knees and on our face. We fight by declaring the word of God and prophesying the truth over situations. Just last week, I was thinking about somebody, and this is somebody that needed some some correction. But I can correct like this sometimes. Bam! I got to thinking about this person. I kind of started to get 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 stirred up a little bit about. I'm going to get them on the phone, and I'm going to tell them this, and I'm going to tell them that. And for those of you I've done that way, I'm sorry. But the Lord said, you're believing what the enemy wants you to believe about them. You need to start declaring over them what I say about them. And I suddenly had this compassion for this person. And I started started contacting them. And I said, hey, the Lord told me to contact you. Something's going on. I just want you to know that I love you, I care for you, and I'm glad that you're in this church. What is it that you need? Don't, don't dare tell me you don't need something because God would not keep putting your big, ugly face in front of me if there was not something going on. And this person texted back and said, that's exactly what I needed. I just needed to know somebody cared. Now, if I'd have called him up and blasted him, it would have just gotten worse, wouldn't it? God knows how to take care of these things, doesn't he? We fight by being people of love and compassion. We fight with worship and praise in the face of hurt and pain. We fight with the blood of the Lamb and the word of our testimony. You know, there are people in this world that need to hear your Jesus story. Yours. Yours. And something going on in their life can absolutely be destroyed. Because the blood of the Lamb is always there. And the word of your testimony. We fight by, pe- by seeing people and not just their sin. We fight in the name of Jesus. We fight the good fight of faith. And refuse to yield to any spirit that is contrary to the spirit of God. are warriors at heart we are of a different spirit we're not afraid to not only face the giants but chase them down where they live and we are friends of God that raise up other warriors you believe that? You know, David 
David stood before Israel, the army of Israel, when he was running down to face a giant one time. And his brother was saying, hey, get out of here, kid. And David said something. He, he looked at his brother and he looked at everybody. And he said, is there not a cause? I'm telling you that even in the Jerusalem of East Texas, Tyler, Texas, where there are churches everywhere, there is a cause. There is a cause for people. There is a cause to see people set free. There is a cause to see people brought into a friendship with God. There is a cause to see other young warriors raised up to know the presence of God. There is a cause to go out and destroy the chains that society has tried to put on people. And there's a cause to look at that big giant in the most fortified city that would make other people run away and say, I'll take that one. That's who you were created to be. That's who you were created to be. That's who you were created to be. Would you stand with me? What do you do with a message like this? I knew this one was going to be kind of... I'd much rather us hold hands and sing Kumbaya and talk about how much we love each other. But you know, every once in a while as a pastor, because we love you, we got to go, look at this. Look at this. Look at this. You were created for the purposes of God. Before the Lord even created this world, He knew you. He knew who you were. He knew all about you. He already had plans and purposes for you. When He thinks about you, He does not think that you're a disappointment. He does not think that there's something wrong with you. He sees somebody that He desperately wants to connect with. If you think your story is too bad to ever be overcome, come talk to us about some of our stories. But it starts with saying, God, I need you. God, I'm desperate for you. God, I want to be everything that you want me to be. It really is revolutionary. The gospel is so revolutionary. So much so.